Welcome back to On My Own Dime, the show where I shine a light on the amazing creators I've had the privilege of getting to know. My name is Jason McCormack, and today I'm back with part two of the world of academia and music with my friend Sean Harold. Join us as we continue to discuss the illusion of meritocracy. I find it fascinating that both of my recent guests were graduate students, and they both seem to latch on to that idea. I don't think it's a coincidence. I'd like to hear your thoughts about anything that resonates with you in today's episode. Leave me a comment or use our voicemail feature. And now let's dive right back into where we left off last week. Because, I mean, to me, the fact that there are so many people delving into this and the fact that they're pumping out so much work and the fact that the field has grown so immensely and that these deals are being uh, simplified and it's, you know, like you said, it's a logical simplification, but it's a simplification that, uh, that hits the musician the hardest. Right? Yeah. It's in the interests of the customer, not the musician. Right. And that's, that's happening across the freelance world. And especially like with all those apps where you find a freelancer, right? I, I don't remember the names. There's a bunch of them. Upwork, and then there's like, Fiverr. Yeah, shit like that. And I emphasize shit. Shit like that. <laughs> I'm guilty of using Upwork. That's how I found that illustrator that I worked with. No, I know. People have used it, and I'm not trying to like say you're a bad person if you're finding freelancers on that way, because how else are you going to find it unless you know people? Yeah. But those sites have so many people vying for the same thing that it drives the value of what people do down so immensely. Well, I learned and like the reason I said guilty is because I feel some guilt <laughs> having used it. But like you said, I had no, I'm not, I don't know. I know one illustrator and her artistic integrity is like on, it, it's like something that she will not compromise. So it's not the type of person who would be like, Hey, yeah, what do you want? It's, yeah. I made this, this is my style. If And if you don't like it, that's okay. We won't work together. So that was basically my option. But what I've learned was like the person that I, I found a good fit. Um, he was easy to talk to. He seemed genuinely interested in the story I wrote. And he was based out of Sri Lanka. Yeah. And after the fact, I learned that there's a huge like price difference between people in different countries because the american dollar to the sri lankan currency the exchange rate is insane yeah so they they can work at a totally different price range even though like he was compet talent talent wise i would say he was competitive with the top earning bracket right that i was like looking at you know yeah. so that was confusing because that's the first time I ever used it. Yeah. And afterwards I kind of ethically felt like, Oh, that's questionable, but we're working well together. He doesn't feel taken advantage of. I wasn't malicious about it. And right. hopefully we'll work together again in the future. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not trying to like cast aspersion on people that use these sites, but it does cause a huge problem where if you're, if you're trying to make a living at this and you're, I like I signed up briefly for a bunch of those sites to do freelance work. But you know, I you know, I ha I I have 10 years of school. I'm a teacher. I have way more experience in this than like 99% of the world. 
and I put my price range not even top tier. I put my price range like basically industry standard for what you would do for for this sort of what I was doing. And I got nothing out of it because there's 10,000 people doing it for half that. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the $5 mix engineer. You yeah. Know? And there's, okay, so let me go back to your question. Why does that seem hopeful? Well, because it's presented... In a way, so actually, uh, I can't remember the website, but statistics came out for 2021 and music revenue is like at an all-time high. Yeah. But I listened to Bobby Osinski's podcast. He was talking about it and he said, however, if you adjust for inflation, it's nowhere near the peak of like 94, I think he said. Yeah. Um, I think it's hopeful because of the way it's being framed in, in the way people write about it, in the way people discuss like, Oh, there's so much opportunity in sync. There's, yeah. there's never been such a high demand for music for sync, which is true yeah. with, with like the explosion of streaming services and all this video on demand, the explosion yeah. of TikTok, YouTube, and all these media sites where you can publish your own videos People need music for that. Yeah. The quality of music will vary. Obviously we yeah. know that. The the price, the like the market for TikTok is different than the market for a streaming service. Right. And then within that, the market on uh, like if you're in the Getty Images library, you're in a sea of like I mean, I can't fathom how many terabytes of music they have. They're like the high, they're, I think they're the largest media stock media company that exists. They uh -huh. initially were just photos, but they bought a company I used to be working with. They, they bought a lot of libraries and just basically like engulfed a huge chunk of that world by buying them yeah. up because they wanted more assets, digital assets to sell. Um, to become a one-stop shop for everything media, stock footage, stock right. footage. So that, so that's an example. But my, I don't know where. I don't know if I could even find my music on that. You know, and I went through. I, I just, I think a year of production, and then months of like waiting, applying for the library, waiting for them to accept my tracks because I had to screen for quality. It's different now because you can pitch. There's a bunch where there's no quality screening. So like I'm rambling, but within this spectrum of, of high demand, there's this wide, wide range of like quality pricing. So what I'm feeling like right now is it matters what libraries you pitch yourself to is you need to match with what they're looking for. Yeah. And if you kind of, it's, I mean, there are a lot of people who are, it seems like there are a lot of people who are being successful at this, just basically like shelling out email, like researching, finding libraries they might fit and shelling out emails every day and just seeing what sticks like we talked about. Um, yeah. But it's a big lift. You know, if you're spend if you work full time, yeah, then you got to manage your time in a way where you get a couple hours of production time and mixing and songwriting time. And then 
you also need a dedicated sliver of time for like getting those emails out. Hopefully you get some responses and then you use a sliver of time getting them the assets that they're asking for. Um, it's a big lift, but it's talked about right now as if it's something you can do on a weeknight. <laughs> you can like knock it out and then take a break for a while. But these, but the guys who are succeeding, they're putting out a lot of like a, a massive volume of tracks and they're pitching it to a massive volume of libraries and supervisors. And I don't know what it yeah. looks like from their end in terms of like what initial contacts they already had. Yeah, because that's that's sort of what I guess. I guess the reason that I'm I'm still pretty pessimistic about these new these new avenues is that you can write when people talk about them. It's it's always that pitch of this is the new way that the musician can get into it. And yes, it's a lot of work, but if you put in the work, then you can get to this level where you're putting out this amount of music and these companies are, are paying you for your, your time and your work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, and it feels like a rehash of the last batch of stuff we were told that if we worked really hard at, we could get where we wanted to be, you know? And it, it always sort of feels like there's just repeating cycles of this idea that the meritocracy actually exists. That if you're putting in the work and you're good at the work, then you're going to succeed. You just have to find the right avenue. And I think every avenue, no matter what approach you're trying to take, the meritocracy is not a thing. It's not whether you're good at something and it's not whether you're working hard. It's whether you're working hard and you know the right people or whether you luck out. And some people will luck out and some people will know the right people. Uh, but that doesn't make me especially hopeful for the field in general or for musicians in general. Because I, I don't I don't quite buy the idea that someone good and productive can actually succeed just by being good and productive. Yeah. It's this is really interesting to me. I think you're the sec you're only the second I don't have a lot of friends with their master's degrees. I'm trying to think. I've my sister in law and my friend Chris. But what's interesting is he, the term meritocracy like cropped up in his mind, like just as quickly as it did yours. Yeah. I, th I think there's something there. Like you, you've been in higher education, so you've seen a caliber of talent that maybe a lot of people don't and maybe seen that caliber of talent kind of go unnoticed or unrewarded. Yeah, oh that that is definitely part of it. I mean, so and I, I can't say tell you I'm saying talent, I don't know if that is the right word, but like skill, talent, dis obviously there's discipline if you're a master's student. So, I don't yeah, want to discredit what, what, that. Let's let's just say even sticktuitiveness, right? Yeah. Like if you get your doctorate, then you have gone to 
through at least three degree programs. You've put in, a, a, you know, usually at least a decade of schooling. Right? Uh, yeah. At that so, point, you, who's going to feel like they still have something to prove after that? Right. Except, you know, when I graduated and I wasn't finding jobs, everyone's not everyone. The people who were my age weren't doing this, but older people, a lot of the time who came up in a different era sort of felt like, well, I must not have put in the work yet. Right. They got a job pretty right after they graduated. I didn't. So I must have fucked something up. Uh, that that bothers me on like a foundational level that someone would presume well you must not have worked very hard <laughs> right well but that's the thing if if you have to put them yourself in their mindset these are people that went through the same steps that i did right they went through the same steps and they they're thinking to themselves well okay i worked really hard i'm good at what i do i spent you know my years really uh, dedicating myself to this. And then when I graduated, I got a job. That must be because I did all this stuff. And if I did all this stuff and succeeded, then if someone else doesn't succeed, then they must not have done that stuff. So that's just the mindset. Again, it's not malicious. It's just rooted in something that doesn't exist anymore or rooted in this idea that there is like a singular path that will work for people if they're willing to do the work. And that's what I don't think is true. And I can just use as an example, a lot of the people that I, I did my doctorate with who were there to be, to go into academia, to go into music, a lot of them are not in academia or music anymore, including at least one of the teachers I had who had been in academia and music for 20-something years at that point. Uh, a lot of them ended up just going into different fields because they got their doctorate or they had been teaching for X number of years, and then opportunities disappeared or never appeared to begin with in the field that they were trained in. And so they went into something else that they could do. It's just, it's, it's, it's not uncommon. And these aren't people, the people that I'm thinking of aren't even ones that I would just say had stick to itiveness. These are people that were really dedicated and really smart and, and really good at what they did. I, you know, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of their music or anything, but that's not what really matters because when it comes to something like, contemporary composition there's such a wide range of styles that might happen that that's not really what determines whether you're good, a good academic or whether you're uh, qualified to be teaching other people in the field what matters is whether you understand what you're doing and whether you understand the field as a whole and these people did so the fact that, that you had not just me but a lot of people coming out of this system who can't find a place in that system, despite doing everything that they were supposed to do. It just says to me that this idea that keep, people keep trying to, to say that it's hard work and talent that gets you somewhere. And I just, it's not, I don't think it is. It's luck. It's luck that presents itself in a variety of ways. Either you're 
born lucky. You know, you're born into a family that can afford certain things, or you're born into a family that's a legacy at a good school, or you're born into a family that has industry connections, or um, you luck out somewhere along the way. And this is the less common one, right? You luck out in that somebody who has those connections happens to see you somewhere and likes what you do and then pushes you. But that kind of stuff is way less common. And you can just even look at like pop music if you want to see whether that sort of thing is true or not. Pick like a pop star at random, and there's a pretty good chance that like their dad was a producer at a big studio or something. Even good musicians, you know, like I love Fiona Apple, but Fiona Apple's dad was a famous stu- like a mu- music industry guy. Was he? Right. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. He he's I always like a, found it insane that she could like put out this phenomenal record and then disappear <laughs> for like 8 years and then come back and put out another phenomenal record, come back tour, like everyone shows up again like thank god she's back and then she yeah. disappear for another decade <laughs> and like Right. And and that that's why I bring her up because I I love I love her music and I'm really glad that she got successful and famous. But I bet if she didn't have like the luck to be born into that family, there's a really good chance that nobody would ever have fucking heard of her. Yeah. So what does that make you think about? Like, you know, does that make you think about how should I be leaving a legacy with like having the experience you've had in academia and in music together? Yeah. Um, do you think of like, oh, how can I set up something for the future or leave my legacy in a way that contributes to someone else's success? I mean, there's a two-sided answer to that, right? On one side is everybody everybody who has children would want to do the best for their kids, right? So I understand nepotism, right? Nepotism is a parent wanting to help their kid and a kid not being stupid enough to say no to the help. That's such like a fundamentally like a good thing but we only use it in the most negative sense when we if someone's using the word nepotism it's in a negative context like right but that's the flip side is the fact of the matter is that the reality of nepotism is fundamentally bad yeah so i yeah it it's a weird thing because like if i were in a position i i you know if i were fiona apple's dad of course i'd want to help fiona apple be successful yeah Right? But it's not actually fair that that happens. You know, it's not fair that uh, people are born. Yeah, you know, we don't need to discuss the fairness of birth because everybody knows that nothing's fair about it. it. It's just that extrapolating that to the music industry in general makes me think that we're all screwed unless we were born. <laughs> <Rich>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been looking forward to like having you as a guest because you're one of the most like brutally honest people I talk to for, especially musicians. Like I have brutally honest friends that I work with, but a lot of musicians because they're either out, like they're, they're no longer like a practicing musician or trying at that craft anymore if it was producing or whatever, or 
they're like eternally optimistic, which I don't think is a coincidence. They're still in no. it because they're eternal optimists. And I, I, maybe I fall in and out of that school myself because I want to, like at my core, I know the reality of what you're describing and agree with it. And I simultaneously think, but there's still hope maybe, yeah. but it's also comes from a place of like, I just, I don't, how do I say this or how do I really feel about it? I don't know some days, but I don't want to ever confirm that like it's over in any way, shape or form or say that like my years of schooling and practicing and like just, you know, mixing and doing all those skills that I really, really cared about was for nothing. So for me, it's like, if I could put out a four song EP and that's what I do this year, well, I'm still like, you still haven't got me yet. <laughs> like it comes yeah. from that kind of place. And also like one thing that I feel would re be like very redeeming personally would be to bring enough money in like personal income from music to compensate for my student debt that I've paid right. over the, the years. Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, I found my own way to like get my life together, so to speak, but it's the thought of like, what ideas have, have just like, have I missed in all the times that I'm like deployed or the times that I'm just like at work, not able to focus on it. Like all this, this backlog of ideas that are unfinished, like, will they ever get finished? Yeah. And then I think about people like you, what is the scale of that extrapolated for someone with a doctorate? <laughs> it's, I feel lucky that I get to, that I get to like hear like what you said, like Fiona Apple's record, like we're lucky to have that. Yeah. And it wouldn't exist without, you know, her dad or whatever the circumstances are, you know, more than I do about it. And personally, I feel lucky that I get to use some of your bass lines in the songs that I write. Like I'm using two examples, but it's bigger than that, you know? Um, and it's just like on a smaller scale, you know, I, even when I was like, you know, 13 and I first discovered sublime, I was like, wait, these guys are dead. Like the songwriters dead. Like, I wonder how many records he didn't finish making. Like these songs are really good. How many more records could we have had that are this good? So I mean, I hate Sublime, but <laughs> I was said I was thirteen. I still like some of their songs, but I understand that it's immature. <laughs> but it's just an example, you know. I think of that, and it's like with every like the examples that you're using of even professors with 25 years in academia who know their craft beyond any reasonable doubt of anyone because who else know who else has studied it as much as they have at that point you know right. very few people it, it's all of that like what are we missing from them that they could be outputting you know in terms of their their music like their writing yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and I under I understand what you're 
what you're saying in that the idea of giving up is not something that that you want to face or not even want to face but not something that you see as an option maybe and i i i think that's totally totally valid but it doesn't give me hope for the system it it speaks well to to you as a human being but it doesn't doesn't give me any hope in the system itself but from what you said earlier i fear that i'm in the camp of people that's falling into that whole like didn't they tell us this before but just kind of saying like yeah they did but let's try again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i mean i don't know i'd love to be wrong that's the thing is i would love to be wrong about my pessimism i would love for it to turn out that academia will turn itself around and it will stop pumping out too many students and it will will stop trying to be superficially progressive without actually helping anybody uh, i would love for that to be a thing i'd love for the music industry to turn out to be something where musicians can make equitable pay again and where you can make money off your music and get paid fairly for it and where freelancers can uh, get jobs and and actually make a living being freelancers and where student debt is something that you take on because you know you can pay it back fairly once you get a good career uh, which is why we all took on student loans you know none of us were thinking god i hope that we qualify for student loan forgiveness <laughs> in a decade we were all thinking i can't wait oh. to get a job that will pay off this loan this is so true so you know you know i want all that to be true i just feel like all these people that like cd baby and all the companies like see like they'll send you their latest email that has some talking head doing something about why this is the new best avenue for independent musicians why this is the best way place to be pumping in your energy you know why fucking nfts is a great thing to do even though nfts are a fucking environmental disaster i've fundamentally had a problem with the diy movement from like 2008 when the indie band survival guide was like well, yeah the, yeah indie bible whatever it was called i mean i i found that book in a in my school's library and i just like consumed it yeah and i was like this is it this is all the answers and it kicked me into the diy world yeah that was like a content machine before people were saying the phrase content is king right and now you had so of course education is great and putting the tools in people's hands is great it opens up avenues for people who are talented or who are, have been disciplined to do something. And that's great. What I didn't like immediately was like, so these guys are musicians, right? But it seems like they're spending a lot of time <laughs> uh, writing this blog or like building this web or building this course. Yeah. Something doesn't seem right. Yeah. There like, Am I learning from a person who's really doing it? Or is there a person who's maybe spinning their trade 
in a way where it's like it didn't work one way, so they're spinning it and it's working another way. And yeah, it's, the, nothing it's, found like it's difficult to like. I'm not bashing someone who does that. Education's great, teaching people's great. I just felt I I felt like they're taking advantage of people who didn't know what they didn't know yet. Yeah. Like when you have a person who doesn't know the questions to ask, they will pounce on all of those courses that are offered and stuff. And, and that's happening in a different form now. Like social media has become a classroom platform where like, I'm even getting advertisements on like, have you started your first course yet? You could be making money, like build this course and let, let it run itself cool idea but is there still something there that i'm like i don't know if that's a healthy thing for the ecosystem of creators at large no and and going back to just you know content as the term that's sort of taken dominance now i it tells you how valued music has become that that everything has just become content yeah and i'm familiar with the, that feeling like at work, I've gotten an email once that just said like, hey, sorry that we were a little bit um, insensitive. We were just looking for bodies. And that was supposed yeah. to be a thank you for volunteering yeah. for like extra stuff. And I had to like go to the person and say like, read this out loud. <laughs> like, You just said that to 10 people. Yeah. Like that's tell it that to our supervisor and he can reword it or something but like <laughs> it's the same feeling as like calling music content yeah i mean and i i, I don't want to be like a doomsayer or anything i just don't i don't have a ton of hope for the system in the way that it's headed both uh, the music industry and academia in different ways that have some problematic overlaps but neither one of them strike me as rosy at the moment yeah i think if we were to continue at another time they're maybe talking about the systems because I, I think that's a huge part of the problem yeah um just like intellectual property systems at at large not just musically but all creative forms um, right but a talk for another time cool well there you have it if you thought my outlook was too optimistic, you were kind of right. But seriously, does anybody really know what is best for the ecosystem of creators? I know we all like to steer clear of negativity, but I think in this instance we walked a knife edge to bring out some of the unfortunate truths about the way our systems have devalued creators in general, but especially musicians. To support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes, go to anchor.fm forward slash on my own dime. Thanks for listening and enjoy your day out there on planet Earth.